April 3rd, 2016. Uh, so what I want to talk about is, uh, for the next several uh, shi'urim, is uh, Yemot HaMashiach in the eyes of Harambam. And uh, I don't know how many of you, but there were one or two at the table now who were in the class last year when we did this as well. And uh, there was concern from one. Uh, but I, I assure you that what we'll say is A, uh, different, and B, it's, uh, it's always good to refresh. But it's different because it's a new idea um, that I just noticed uh, recently. Anyhow, Harambam in Moreno Vuchim, you would imagine this is the type of book, it's the nature of a book that would discuss eschatology. It would talk about the end of days a lot. He'd talk about Hayat HaMetim, talk about Yom HaMashiach, Olam Habba. Ironically, and, and strangely and oddly enough, Harambam gives very little attention to this in Moreno Vuchim. He spends a lot of time in the outer world experiences of uh, Nivuah. He spends lots of time on Ta'amiyam, it. Spends very little time talking about Yemont HaMashiach. So we'll open here in the basically the only full analysis he has of it, and you'll see how not full it is. So if you turn to page Resh Sadibet, which is in Helegimal Perek Yod Aleph, this is the Perek Harambam basically has devoted to the to Yemot HaMashiach. And one or two other scattered places he discusses it, but not, not much, which, which is odd. Anyway, Harambam, he begins this paragraph, The context over here is somewhat important, and we've, we've already dealt with this context. It's the context where Harambam is talking about bad in the world. He talks about the fact that there are different ways that bad was caused. Where are you, Rabbi? On page Resh Sadibet, and uh, so he starts this perik and he says, the ra'ot gedolot, the really bad stuff, which is caused between mankind, it's a point we, we discussed when we talked about hashkahat pratit, we, we discussed this perik even. He it says it's, uh, it's, it's bad which man causes to his neighbor, causes to his friend. For what reasons? He says, matarot, it's if you want to attain something, so I'll beat you up, I'll wage war in order to get your riches, to get your oil, to get your whatever. Ta'avot, I'm... I'm interested, you know, similarly for, for uh, uh, you know, something that I don't necessarily need, but I want. Hashkafot, we have ideological differences. We'll fight about that. We'll cause each other harm. De'ot, similar in that respect, maybe more emunah-oriented, more uh, theological than uh, ideological. Kulam gamhem nishafim leheider. Lefish kulam says all of these matters, again, when waging these wars, when waging these battles, are silliness and, uh, and, and sikhlut in the words of Harambam. It's just, it's tipshut. Because people lack intellect, and as such, we get into silly arguments with each other. And as such, we get into, uh, it escalates and turns into wars and turns into battles. Keshem mehamat hareot. Same way that a, a blind person, because he can't see, he won't be able to not trip over things and into people and into objects and to damage others and objects. He says the same way a blind person has no one setting him straight, assuming he doesn't have someone setting him straight. So, so to us in the world as we have it. We are not perf- perfect in our intellect, and as such, we get into all these silly arguments which escalate. Kach kitot bene adam, kol echad kefi erech sikhluto po'il be'atzmo bezulato ra'ot gedolot be'yachas le'ishe hamin. This is so too, that's what we are constantly engaged in, in these uh, battles which are really stemming from the fact that 
our intellect is lacking, that we're not smart enough. And uh, the truth is, and uh, you know, if, if you've stuck with us for long enough, you understand this all fits into Adam Bam's philosophical uh, um, uh, uh, worldview and uh, Weltanschauung perfectly. In other words, his concept of, of perfection is uh, intellectual perfection. So, of course, the world in its perfect state is going to be a world which is perf- perfected in terms of its intellect as well. So he says, if we had perfect intellect, which would be like seeing for a blind person. So our intellect would be for the entirety of mankind the same way. Then we would be able to prevent on our own. It wouldn't need to be external. We'd on our own be able to prevent any damage. When people know what's truth, not, not conventional truth, Absolute truth, so there's no uh, competition. There will be less competition or no competition, no hatred, etc. And as such, there won't be damage. Uh, we won't inflict uh, pain and damage upon each other. And here's where Yomot HaMashiach, in case you've been wondering where Yomot HaMashiach comes in. Here it is, at the end of a small pit. There's already a haftaha about this. And the Navi, Yeshaya, says... Pasuk talks about animals, wild animals being able to dwell with the, with the domesticated animals. Yes? So how, how does he deal with the fact that the, he says, I think, I think his position is that Torah is not going to change after you know, Imoto Mashiach. But yes. It seems like the bulk of, bulk of the Torah is uh, to address those deficiencies. That, so know, this is the, um, uh, this is the, I was, I was hoping actually not to bring that up this week, but we'll bring it up and we'll leave it tantalizingly uh, difficult at the end of the class from the more. But the, the question that, uh, that Avi's asking is as follows. If you accept, that's the question, if you should accept this, if you accept that the reason, at least in Harambam's eyes, for the misvot is to set up a society in which we will be able to come to perfected intellect. And that's the whole purpose of the misvot. That's A, that's premise number one. And premise number two, that Yemota Mashiach will bring about a utopian society, a perfect society. So then why would Harambam, as he does in Mishneh Torah, argue that we'll have misvot for, for eternity? Why should we have misvot for eternity? If misvot are meant to perfect me, and I'm living in the perfect world, so then I don't need the misvot. I can attain the intellect without the misvot. That's the million-dollar question, but it's, it's based on two premises. The first premise is that the, that the objective of the misvot is, is, is singularly in order to... In the, you, can, you can argue with each. I'm going to argue with the second, but not from Moray Nebuchim today. That's the point of the class. There's a yeah. topic in terms of... Uh, so let's read to the end of the Perek and decide if Harambam and the Moreh would argue with, like you. I am not convinced he would. You might be right, but uh, you know, so that what I'm going to do, so now I'll, I'll give you the whole, uh, the whole class in a nutshell. What I want to do today is, uh, you know, see, the second question, that, that I've, uh, the second premise over here, is a big question. It's a big debate amongst medieval philosophers and amongst those who debate Harambam's true opinion. Did Harambam, forget about other philosophers, did he conceive of Yemot HaMashiach as this utopian time in which we'll be in this perfected world, which I think he will imply in this Perik, 
Or was it also a process like, uh, like, like Ezra's uh, suggesting? In other words, is it more restorative than anything else? It'll bring us back to Hadesh Yamein of and we'll go back to the times, the good old times, but the good old times weren't utopia. I mean, utopia was just, it was just Gan Eden, which, you know, as we suggested when we learned the beginning of the More, you know, never existed. Anyhow, it's good of Naki's not, not here. Anyhow, but, uh, you know, Arambam basically said that, and, you know, so, you know, utopia, which once existed in, you know, that, that, <coughs> that archetype of a world, you know, are we going to get there? Is that, is that where we're headed with Yomot HaMashiach? Well, give it a chance here, in, in, at least in the Moreh. He says, So first he quotes this Pasuk in Yeshaya. And there's a Vishyasha Yonik, and the, the children will be able to play with, with serpents and snakes. So this is the famous Nivuav Yeshaya that Harambam is citing. He's fa- citing this famous Nivuav Yeshaya in which Yeshaya predicts, in which he prophesied that uh, in Yomot HaMashiach there'll be peace. And not only will be simple peace, there'll be, uh, there'll be a supernatural peace. Wild animals will be domesticated animals, babies will be playing with snakes. I mean, it'll be an amazing situation. Continues Harambam, and he says, if you continue reading in Yeshaya till the end of the Perik, there's a reason for that. That's what Harambam's going to have to do over here is invert the order of the Perik. He says, if you read till the end of the Perik, the end of the Perik says, as Harambam writes, It's the end of the Perik in Yeshaya concludes by saying this will be a time of extreme uh, intellectual perception. Those words need to go back and interpret and explain the rest of the Pedic. The rest of the Pedic said there'll be peace, there'll be tranquility, etc. Why will there be all of that? Because there's Yedi'at Hashem. So now Ezra suggests, and I'm not sure it's correct, that this Yedi'at it sounds certainly, you know, the way I'm presenting it, and I just think the words speak for themselves, Sounds from Harambam, what he's suggesting over here is that Yeshayahu's Nivuah goes as follows. We will reach a time, now he's not committing himself to whether over here, whether this is a natural course of events or not. Everyone knows in Mishneh Torah, he says this is all going to be a natural course of events. Okay, however we're going to get to this, we'll get Yediat Hashem. Dory last year suggested something like we'll have some sort of discovery. And I don't know, it was, it was clever. But the point is, even if you know, he doesn't commit himself to that, assuming you could come up with some sort of natural scheme of events, how the entire world will come to perfected intellect, regardless, will come to that. But why is that Yediat Hashem? Because for Harambam, Yediat Hashem means you understand the world perfectly. In turn, you understand God. That's the ultimate no. intellect. I'm saying Yediat you know, Hashem being intellectual perfection. That's what it is. And no way to slip from that. I mean, if, if you're in a utopian society, there's no I'm slip. saying, in other words, the, con- the thing I'm getting at is this concept of not having mitzvot means that we're perfect and we can never change. Yeah, but we're still human beings, according to so, Harambam. So if we had Jack Scabber here, he would say, this is bringing us back to Gan Eden, which in his mind means we never had Berhida Hofshi, which means the ultimate is Berhida Hofshi, which is your problem, which is a great problem, which means how could you conceive... <laughs> in a world which has mankind in it, of a society in which there's no longer Bechirah right. because that, That's a million dollar question as well, which makes you wonder if that's what he actually means. But I mean, I'm not going to necessarily address that today, you know. But I would say Yediyat, but you'll, you'll see Yediyat the suggestion. You don't have Bechirah. We're just, we're just deciding to go, we're, we're choosing 
So this, I got you, I got you. Yes and no, but if you know that, you know, if I step left, I will die, and you can easily step right, you're not stepping left. You don't have the hirada. You know, that, this was the million dollar question. We dealt with it when we were talking about Gan Eden. If there was, quote, no bihirah of in Gan Eden, which Harambam seems to suggest in Mishneh Torah, so then how did they sit? Sounds like there is bihirah of shit. So at the same time, you know, the, you know. If you limit it to what we had here, yes. definitely I have to take what I said back. But yes. If you bring in what other things that Harambam said. I got you. I got places, you. I'm making my way there, but I'm going to end the class. I will tell you this much. Uh, in the more okay. What level of knowledge you have? Hevanti, Hevanti. That will be next week. This week, this week, I'm gonna leave the more like this. I'm gonna prove that in in Mishneh Torah, overtly, not not esoterically, overtly, Harambam makes a point if you read it carefully of saying not the same way he writes here in the more. That Harambam's Mishneh Torah vision of Yemot Hamashiach does not lead us to utopia. I got you. I got you, but you know this peric. But this peric is certainly very misleading. No, so I'm saying you can't take one chapter at a time. Okay, in, 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 I'm not going to. Does he describe Yediyat Hashem elsewhere in the morning? Yeah, the whole book. <laughs> I, no, I'm saying, but it's not. That was just the going ultimate title. Was Yediyat Hashem? Was the title of one anyway? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, so people always have a choice. But I think Hashem means that the truths keep getting clearer and clearer. Like, for example, you know, people believed in uh, six gods right now, like they used to be. Yeah. Like a lunatic. You know, you have the choice to do it, but as the truth gets clearer and clearer and more apparent. It just is what it is. I got you, but yeah. if he says that right. which in turn leads to the unimaginable world, this is an important point as well. It's unimaginable in my mind that we will have complete peace in the entire world. That's what he's writing we'll have. I mean, you have to come to a pretty perfected state of intellect to come to world peace. If, I mean, even with the premise that, that intellect leads to peace, which, you know, could be debated, but that's Arambam's premise. You have to have pretty, it, it can't just be down here. You got to be pretty close to perfect to say that we're not going to get in any fights and any battles anymore. It's got to be pretty far. Anyhow, so, uh, the, you know, so as I said, the, the, the framework here is to go now and to see if Arambam in Mishneh Torah has the same idea or not. But before doing so, so if you have this, this little packet in front of you, so I, I put several sources in this. Um, on the back of the first page, you'll find uh, from Gershom Sholem, from his book, The Messianic Idea in Judaism. Uh, Gershom Sholem, if you need a brief biography, was born in Germany. He's usually attributed the, uh, the title of the father of academic uh, mysticism, which means the study of Kabbalah from an academic standpoint is usually, uh, he's, he's the one who's known as discovering that or bringing that to the world. Whether it's true or not, it's not the issue. He certainly was the mo and is the most outspoken voice in that. Uh, he died in the early 80s. Uh, he was a professor in Hebrew University. He was, I mean, he was, I, I never, you know, he, he died before I was born, but from what I'm told, from and his, his legend, is he was you know, a stronger orator and a stronger personality than that guy who spoke to us on Shabbat. Like, this guy had such Pretty a... I mean, <laughs> it, it was, there was fear and trepidation to argue with his beliefs on matters. His student, his prized student, Moshe Idel, who's still alive, published a book 15 years after his death. 
in which he argued with him. And I think the legend is that he said he had this for years before him, but 15, took 15 years until after his death for him to publish to be arguing on the Rebbe. In other words, it was like, and, and the whole world gasped as he published this book. But anyhow, that was the type of personality and type of power he had. Anyhow, in this book where he's writing about Mashiach, about the idea of Mashiach, so I don't want it for so much, but what I do want it for is to draw this uh, distinction, which you know, Avi, Avi walked us right into at the beginning. I was going to walk us into it through uh, Gershom Sholem. And that is he talks about the difference between a utopian vision of, of Mashiach, of Messiah in his words, or, or if you're dealing with a restorative one. In other words, restorative means I'm, I'm bringing it back to how it once was. And so you'll see, um, if you just go to, on this page, on page 24, the bottom line, we'll, we'll just read a little bit. We here encounter the important fact that the rational tendencies in Judaism, and he's talking about the medieval philosophies, and uh, specifically push the restorative factor in Messianism decidedly into the foreground. It means, it means that they weren't, since they were looking for a rational approach to Mashiach, to Yemota Mashiach, so they were therefore not going to create a utopian, almost unimaginable society for Yemota Mashiach, which the Pesukim in the Tanakh might suggest. Rather, they're going to try to make it something that once existed. Besides the way that you get there, well, the final will be, with the influ influential formulation of this tendency by Maimonides, restoration becomes the focus of Messianism. By contrast, the utopian element, quite peculiarly, peculiarly, or whatever, peculiarly, yeah, there it is, recedes and is only maintained at a bare minimum. Uh, so that is, uh, the, you know, that it is maintained at all is only due to the fact that a utopian element of prophetic pro promise in a, pr in a precise sense, namely the universal knowledge of God, is related to the su supreme good of these philosophical doctrines. So uh, just to, you know, we, you can read onward, and it's, it's, it's repetition in different words, a little bit clearer, et cetera, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what his premise, what, what, his, what his statement is more than anything. What he's suggesting is, Harambam, in keeping to his rationalistic approach to philosophy, he had the following vision of the Yemota Mashiach, very much restorative. It wasn't utopian. We're not looking forward to utopia. We're looking forward to a time that we could imagine because we know about it, maybe a thousand years ago, maybe 1,500 years ago, but it was a situation, it was a reality which is not unimaginable. And he says, and he had to concede to the fact that there'll be a little bit of utopia. What's that little bit of utopia? Oh, that's the fact that we'll all actually <coughs> know God perfectly. You know, that, that happens to be a perfect world. Why do you have to do that? Because the Psukim and the Tanakh say it, you know, he had to kind of give in to that. What he's suggesting is quite the opposite of what we just suggested in the Moreh. I mean, and he's coming from Mishneh Torah, no doubt, and we'll read that in just a second. He, he makes that clear. But in the Moreh, if you remember, the sequence of events starts as follows. Yedi'at Hashem seems like muhletet, full and complete. Then the world will be able to figure itself out, things so will have worldwide peace, etc. You start with what we would term utopia. You then make your way into a situation which is, you know, basically perfect. If you look at Mishneh Torah, however, and that's on the first page here, and this is, you know, in general, when you quote from Harambam in, Morin, in uh, On Yemot HaMashiach, everyone, and for reasons we already said, quotes from Hilchot Melachim. Again, why? Because Moreh Nebuchim gives us very little. Gives very little explicit mention of it and very little description of it. This is the most explicit and the most you get. So if you look here, and we'll look at it briefly, make one more point, and then come back and look at it in depth. That's, that's the plan for the rest of the class here. If you look here on, on, on the first page, so it's, a, again, this is his last pedic in Mishneh Torah. He starts Mishneh Torah with Hilchot, 
with Elchot Yesodeh HaTorah, and he talks about concepts of physics and metaphysics, you know, things you wouldn't, you wouldn't call halakha necessarily, and certainly, you know, not the average person. And then he concludes it with uh, issues of eschatology. He deals with issues of Yemot HaMashiach, Vaharit It's very Maimonidean to do so. In other words, he, he, uh, he sandwiches his book of halakha with philosophy, purely and completely. Anyhow, so in this, in this Perek, and again, we're just going to read two, two halachot from it right now, even just two fractions of it. If you look at halakha bet, so Halakha Aleph, he talks about the fact, and again, we'll read in just a few seconds. Halakha Aleph, he says, don't think that this is going to be some supernatural course of events that brings to you Mashiach. It's completely natural. This is what everyone knows for Hanum Bam for. This is what everyone likes to quote him for. But missing the point, I mean, that's, that's you know, anytime you, you open a conversation, what's Yomot Mashiach? Everyone responds, Hanum Bam says it's natural. <laughs> I don't know. He says that the way we'll get to it is natural. I mean, where we're going to end is not necessarily something that you could conceive of. He says the way we'll get there is natural. Uh, you know, however, he understood that natural course. Bet, he writes, Amru hachamim. En ben ha'olam hazelimot ha-mashiach ela shi'abud malchuyot bilvad. Now this is a statement in Gemara Masechet Berachot in the name of one emora known as Shemuel. The Gemara over there points out that his counterpart, Rabbi Yohanan, disagreed with him. The Gemara in six places points out that Shemuel seems to be an individual opinion when it comes to this. Abar Benel, when he comments on Harambam, he says, stop guising your philosophical opinions with Amru Hachamim. This is not the Hachamim's opinion. This is one guy's opinion. And you're pretending it's everyone's opinion. So why would Harambam take this as the Halakha? Argues argues Abar Benel, because in Harambam's eyes, it needed to work this way. This is the rational approach to things argues us at the end of the class something different because in his mind there wasn't so much of a difference between this opinion and many if not most of the other opinions. Anyway, what's the opinion? What is, yeah. but even if there was, there was a difference of opinion, I mean, this is a, we are discussing on something that uh, is not on the text anyway. You know, this, uh, you know, they're, they're discussing they're something this. that uh, nobody knows about. So, I mean, I think that he has uh, the, you know, he, he has the ability to do with, so. Uh, That's okay. That That's okay. It's a point Robbie Greenberg made last year when we asked this question. Robbie asked it, and I think I saw Rabbi Kapach says it afterwards. You forgot. It's okay. You know, l- luckily, you and Dory were at the class last year. I could quote the two of you on this. Robbie made this point. He said, he's, you know, because what I was dealing with, and I'll deal with this in a week or two from now, with, uh, you know, what are known as, quote, stirot and harambamis posek, like this one or another one, whatever. And so he said, like you're saying, well, these are hashkafah issues more than anything. It's not halakha issues. We don't need to follow, quote, kilaleha pesak. That's not Abar Benel's problem. Abar Benel's problem is, he says, amru hachamim. Those extra words, just say the statement. You want to be posik, quote unquote, we'll use the word posik, just write it. In bin, says Amru Hachamim. It sounds as if he's going out of his way to say, this is what everyone agrees to. This is the majority opinion of Hachamim. That's the specific. But what's the statement? The statement is, in bin, there's no difference between Ulama Zeh, this world, Limota Mashiach, you know, the end of days, bilvad. The only difference is that we will have self jurisdiction. We will have Malchut Yisrael. That's the difference. There's no difference between. What's the rest that? of the world remains well, on its own. And everything else stays the same. Well, that's the statement. Right. You know, it, again, you know, it takes only, uh, I don't know, three more sentences to realize that's not at all what he means. You know, but like you just said, that's what the statement is. Right. And he'll continue. I mean, it, it, he continues so much so that if you get to halakha, hey, and... How can he conceive wh- that there would be any other option aside from monarchy? Okay? 
uh, and we would look at that as a, as a step back. I, I will be honest with you. I, I don't, oh, you're saying, uh, how could he? There's no way, in his, it's day, obvious. in his day, that would be the conception, benevolent monarchy. It might that's be. What we would go. It because might be. It might be. But well, even you know, you know l- listen. And he makes this point himself. So this is not only me speaking and trying to get out of this. He says himself, "We don't know how any of this is going to transpire." I mean, we know he's trying to describe what it will be, or more than that, what it will not be. That's his biggest uh, goal here. He says, "I don't." Monarchy, know. What's that? The household is a monarchy. Oh, stop it! But you don't want to, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, you know, this is this is a. <laughs> Political, philosophy, political <laughs> philosophy discussion, you know. <laughs> and it's... Uh, <laughs> that's right. I, I can relate. Anyhow. <laughs> as long as your wife be king, it could be a monarch. <laughs> anyway, in Halakha in Hei here, and uh, uh, we... We will make our way back uh, to do this in just a few seconds. The rest. He says, and at that time period, there won't be any famine, there won't be any war, there won't be any jealousy, there won't be any competition. Uh, wait a second. You just told me the only difference is the fact that we will have self-jurisdiction. Self-jurisdiction comes with it, you know, no famine and all this great stuff. We'll have all the delicacies. The definition of malchut could be more than just a monarchy. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, but, but the point is we have self-jurisdiction, however you want it to find. I don't care. You know, as a matter of fact, Sitz Eliezer by Waldenberg, his definition of, of mal, quote, malchut, is that a democracy, as we have it in Israel today, so the prime minister, if you, if you go after the prime minister, that would be considered moreid b'malchut. So we, we no, but I mean in terms of... Almost so hayav mitaz. Ma- the concept of malchut, meaning everything working together. I got gotcha, you, but what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily bring with it all this stuff. I mean, unless you think it does. I mean, I can have define a, it like that, I guess, is what I'm saying. I guess so. It's a little bit of a. I mean, you know, something. Let me, let me rephrase it then. You would put that under the. You know, if I want to describe the difference between today and Yomot Mashiach, you would just say, oh, it's going to be, a, you know, we have self jurisdiction. Or you would say, I mean, we're going to have perfect intellect of God. I mean, you know, no, if I one's mean, a means to get to the other, if it was true, you know, yeah, I would, I would put it more in the concept say, of everyone essentially knows their place, everyone is. Everyone is, in other words, we each have a different function in the world. If we were all perfect people, we would know what that function is. What I'm saying is you're stressing stressing now the means and not the ends. I mean, the ends is, you know, (coughs) what we are able to accomplish now. Shouldn't we say the only difference between now and then is that then uh, we'll have all these... It's a a difficult statement. What was the first first introduction of the concept of a Mashiach or of, of later? So, you know, here's the book for you to read. The Messianic Idea in Judaism. I can... I can... I can... I can... The whole book, that's correct. Uh, as well as uh, my teacher, Arthur Hyman, has a book. I think it's called the Eschatology and something or whatever. It's, 100, it's much shorter than this one. Um, I mean, listen, Hachamim try to find it in the Torah. Uh, they try to find you know, not so necessarily much. Certainly in the Vinavi. So historians will tell you that we redefined it at those times. But it doesn't mean that it was nithadesh uh, in those times. It means that we defined it accordingly based on our understandings of those things. We certainly were inspired to think about it more during difficult times. But the concept goes back far. I mean, the question is how far back. But. Anyhow, so it concludes on Ambam, and this that's, is the. You know, really what I'm reaching for is did it originate at a time of trouble? 
They had to create it. Listen, the Torah does talk about, you know, Sheol. Sheol, you know, whatever that means. It's something after this life, right? You know, whatever that means. You know, right, you have lots of these cryptic uh, phrases in the Torah, which the Chachamim will then interpret accordingly. You want to argue, maybe it's the Roman. I, you know, like I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm okay and I'm open. There's plenty of literature on this matter. Plenty, plenty to talk about. And, and your theory is certainly supported by many. Uh, is it correct? I don't know. I have a hard time believing that that's where it came from. And we have so much of a belief that's so much entrenched with our Judas, Jewish, you know, uh, 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 thought. And it's just, you know, a convention of some time period. Anyway, Ulfichach says Harambam at the end here of his book. Oh, he says, The whole point, the whole... What we'll be working toward is to understand God of That's how he concludes his book. He concludes his book with, you know, basically the utopian society. Oh, it says we'll be working toward the Yadashem. says that's what we'll be we'll doing. We'll be there. You're, you're right, you're right. Wonderful to you, Victor. Baruch Shekivanti. I mean, I'm making my way there. You're 100% right. No, Mishneh Torah, as he presents it, is that's an ideal. But I have to I have to get to that. Mm-hmm. So before I get to that, oh, and, and for, and so for purpose... So mention to an individual as the catalyst for all of this, the way that we talk about... Uh, in Perik Yod Aleph, he talks about an individual. Okay. In Perik Yod Bet, he's talking about the concept. Um, here that it's not everyone that's going to achieve this in the, in the, in, because it says yeah, but then he says again the olam doesn't mean that every person sounds like everyone okay it's going to be based knowledge some people will have it yeah 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 I, I, I'm, I'm going to arrive with I, I, I like it I mean I, well, was, you know but so before that and I, I'm not even going to read it inside because uh, for, for reasons of time because I need to really uh, stress the in the last four pages of the packet in front of you so basically what I have is Abar Benel and Abar Benel wrote uh, several books on Yemot HaMashiach and issues like that so this book called Yeshuot Mishiho and Bidon Yitzhak Abar Benel he gets very angry at Harambam I mean very so he spends four pages, uh, even though he, he liked Harambam and he was to a certain extent Maimonidean in his philosophy. He wrote Perush and Mishneh Torah and, also, and uh, Moreh Nebuchim and all sorts of other things like that. You see, he uh, over here, on, um, he says, That's what I was mentioning to you earlier. In words, he says he deliberately, in order to, to, to put across his agenda, he didn't tell us it was Shemuel. And he gets very angry at Arambam for citing this opinion of Shemuel, which he says, number one, is an individual opinion. It's a da'at yahid. Again, who's Shemuel? And he says, and secondly, and this one he, he really spends a lot of time smashing him on, he says, just open up Navi. Open up Talmud. Open up anything. Miraculous. Amazing. Out of the ordinary. Supernatural. Utopia. And that's what you came up with? You found Shemuel? The one guy who denies that? The one guy who makes it restorative. The one guy who's talking about bringing us back to the time when we had self-jurisdiction. That's what you based everything on? And says about Benel, he says, I don't want to slam Shemuel. I'd like to accept the Emorah Shemuel. But I'll slam Harambam. And he suggests, and this is his own uh, uh, novel interpretation over here, he suggests Shemuel is talking about Yemot HaMashiach. 
Yomotah Mashiach, he says, will be stage one. Stage one will be simple. We have self-jurisdiction. That will set things in motion. Then we'll have stage two. Tehiyat HaMetim, Olam Habba. He gives several other names for it. He says, and yes, the Navi puts them all together. That's what happens when we talk about end of days. We throw everything together. In those times, miraculous. In those times, utopia. So Abar will not and cannot accept such a view of Arambam that it's all just uh, restorative, or it's all about this Shemuel in Ben Olam Hazelim Tamashiach Ela Shi'abud Malchuyot. So how would Harambam respond to Abar Benel? I mean, Abar Benel has a great point. So you have one of two answers. You have either you say, well, he was a philosopher, and he said to hell with all this. And that's, that's one approach. I'm not, not such a fan of it. Um, second approach is Harambam answers it himself, if you read the Mishneh Torah carefully, yeah. No, I mean, I want to tell you on this philosophical issues, it's not halakhic issues. You don't agree in this. But he's quoting the Vrei Hachamim. No, but all he has to find is one Habba. One Amuha, one Zayn, uh, he can say Amuha. You see, Abar Benel says, look at Psukim in the Torah. Yeah, uh, so Abar Benel says, you're not being honest. He says, okay, fine. You know, you want to argue that? He says, you're not being honest. Look at Psukim in Tanakh. Psukim and Tanakh are against Shemuel. That's basically his argument. I mean, I'll go so far as to say Harambam is against Shemuel. Harambam concludes this book by saying, We're going to have perfect intellect of God. That's a lot more than Shibud Machuyot Bilvad, isn't it? Even if it grows out of it, like Victor said, at the end of the day, it's a whole lot more than it. It's so, it's so funny in my mind that Abad Benel, when he talks about Hayat Amitim Ulam Habba, he says, That's the time when we'll have perfect intellect. Or was Haram Bami mentioned that as well? I mean, he just had it as part of some, in some paradox, paradoxical way, as a part of this pedic. Yeah. Well, we respond, and we respond is that uh, the, the, the Torah talks more in, in, in poetry, you know, it's, it's like, it's making uh, things nice from, uh, from a stylistic point of view, it's not necessary. So that's certainly true. So it's constantly and always true. We know that to be a fact. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a far call to say Maleaha Aris Deat and Harambam himself takes it pretty literally, Maleaha Aris. That 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 being filled with intellect of God, which Harambam says. I don't says, think it means perfect intellect. It means it means that you know the Yehud will be just common knowledge, which it, which it, which is pretty perfect. You know. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think it means perfect perfection. It just means that it it, it, it just I'm going to take, I'm going to go, you know, at this point, you guys are, are stretching beyond what I'm going to do, but, you know, we're, we're not too far from what I'm going to do. Can I put forth a, a theory? You can. Is that, you can. I, I think the Rambam... Unless it's mine, yeah. The, I think the, the Rambam isn't... I think the Rambam is using this as a platform to accomplish a goal. And I think that if the, if he, if he harps in on all the miraculous elements and the utopian yeah. elements of, of the Mashiach, yes. what is the connection to what people are doing? What's the connection to this book of, of Halakha that I just spent, you know, however many years writing? Um, but if I tell people that if this is something that they can attain through study, Yirat Hashem, Ahavat Hashem, you know, building up your intellect, so, uh, that it's a very natural thing, then so I'm So it's somewhat apologetic. It in other words, his, his purpose, you're suggesting, I have a hard time with it, I'll tell you why in a second, but but it's, not, it's definitely possible. And your suggestion is, he just gave you a book of halakha. Now, if I, if I describe the Mot HaMashiach as a time, when, here's my problem with it. My problem with it is, in Perik Yod Aleph, unless you tell me he's lying, you know, he's blatantly lying over there, he says in the Mot we're going to have Misvot still. 
So there's a purpose in learning this whole book because even in Yomot HaMashiach you're going to still need misfort. Even in the utopia, so, which, which seems to clash. Anyway, well, so what I'd like to do here is just to read the Pedic through and, and make two or three points and, you know, take it or leave it, my, uh, my conclusion on this. This is the beginning. Al Ya'ale Al Halev, so the first page here, and that's the last chapter in Mishneh Torah. Al Ya'ale Al Halev, Shebimot HaMashiach, Yevatel Davar Miminhago Shel Olam. Do not for a second believe that in Yemot HaMashiach anything will uh, supernaturally occur. Everything will be normal and natural, nothing out of the ordinary. What about the Pesukim in Yeshayah, B'Yeshayah, V'gar Ze'ev Im Keves, V'namer Im Gediyev Batz? Mashal V'chidah. That's a parable. Doesn't mean it literally. What does it mean? Inyana davar. Now pay, pay close attention to how he describes this, as opposed to more. If you have the more open in front of you, this is something I just noticed. Inyana davar shiu Yisrael yoshevin laveta im rishaeha olam hamishulim bezeev namir. It means that Yisrael will be sitting and, and dwelling peacefully. And surrounded without any problems by their enemies. Shene emar, and then he calls pesukim that the enemies. Isn't that amazing? What he did here in Mishneh Torah is he took that pasuk, which in, Mish, in Moreh Nebuchim he said will mean, again, think about the sequence of events in Moreh Nebuchim, and it's, it's, it's Hebehetel, yeah, in Moreh Nebuchim, perfect intellect of God, worldwide. Perfect peace worldwide. What's the pasuk for that? This pasuk. In Mishneh Torah he begins with the following, not with perfect intellect. We read that already. That's at the end of the Perik. He begins with peacefulness and tranquility. For whom? Well, not worldwide. You don't have perfect intellect of God. Just of Yisrael. It means step one of redemption of Yemot HaMashiach for Harambam is going to be that we are strong enough in some way or another that we have peacefulness. In in a regular, natural way. We might be really strong and we might be very smart at war and whatever. We might be able to fortify ourselves. No one will bother us. We'll get to that stage. I mean, it sounds like a far stretch today, but you know, a long stretch today. Okay, you know, but that's how he starts, and that's an amazing thing. It means in Mishneh Torah, without we're calling attention to it, he attributes this pasuk specifically to Yisrael, not to worldwide. And again, the order is very important. Inyana davashu Yisrael Yoshevim. We said okay. The end of halacha aleph be'elu adivarim hakutuvim be'inyana Mashiach meshalim him. It's all parables. So the Yimota Mashiach. Yivada lakol, everyone will know, will find out. Le'ezed davar hayu mashal, ma'inyan ramuz bahen, we'll be able to figure out, we'll be able to retroactively turn back to the Psukim and Tanakh and know what was parable, what was literal. Amru hachamim, and now, en ben ha'olam azeh de mota mashiach ala shibud machuyot bilvad, that's what we read. Now, yera'em ipeshutan shel divreha nevi'im. Listen to his wording, he says, it seems clear from the simple interpretation of the words of nevi'im, shebetehilat yemot ha'mashiach, now that word tehilat already is an important word for me. What is tehilat? It means what I'm doing for you, in my mind, and you'll, you'll follow through without, with me and tell me if you agree, is I'm going to tell you sequence. I'm going to tell you the sequence of events. Do not, as many people enter the situation, think that this happens like this. This is a step-by-step process. So it begins with gog umagog, this war. That's described in Divrei Nevi. That's step one. It means when we get to Halakha, hey, that's the end of the steps. It means that whereas in Moren Vuchim, it begins and ends all at once. 
intellect, and as such, everything's perfect. In Mishneh Torah, step by step by step, and I'll, I'll, I'll now say it, and halacha he will probably never happen. It's the utopian ideal that we strive for, but we'll never get there. And that's why Mishneh Torah tells you Misot won't be batel. We'll have to deal with why in Moreh Nebuchim he would agree as well. There'll be a Navi that sets us on the right path. But he's telling me an order and a sequence of events here. He continues in this, and then he says that So he's quoting a Mishnah in Masechet Idiot. It's an important Mishnah just for different reasons, this Mishnah. The Mishnah says that when Eliyahu, as the Mishnah describes it, will come in Yimot HaMashiach, if there's a person who's going up for Kohen, he'll be left as a Kohen. He won't say he's not a Kohen. And if there's a person who's uh, Yisrael and he's really a Kohen, he won't be told that. He won't be miyaches that. Harambam continues in the Halakha afterwards. At the end of this Halakha, he says, that'll happen later. But, but the statement is there's this sequence of events. But this, is, this is a big issue if, if you talk about why we don't, why we could, or could we? It, about 150 years ago, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Kalasher wanted to bring back korbanot. He wanted to be makrib korbanot in Yerushalayim on Harabayit. And uh, one of his obstacles was, well, we don't have Kohanim Yuhasim. Look in Sefer Ezra. Before Ezra went back and rebuilt, well, they found out who the Kohanim Yuhasim were. So unless you're Rappaport or, uh, I don't know, Tawil Me'eli HaKohen or something like that, or whatever. You know, so then, you know, we don't really, and even them, they don't really know that you're a Kohen or do we, et cetera. So Rabbi Kalisha points to this Mishnah and he says, well, that's not the point. We're not going to need that. We're going to start the Avodah immediately, even without knowing that. Ultimately, we'll be able Able to figure those things out. Anyway, continues Harambam is, uh, is um, and, and uh, he, he, he continues going through the, the sequence of events. And Halacha Gimal, listen to these words. That's an important, important words in my mind. When his Malchut will be settled and Israel surrounds and gathers around there. Wait a second, isn't that immediate? What do you mean when? It means that's next step. Because we have step one, step two, step three. Then, everyone will follow his Ruach HaKodesh, etc. And he concludes this, He says, ultimately, we're going to go based on Ruach HaKodesh in order to find out who's whom in terms of their, uh, their lineage, in terms of Kehuna and all that sort of stuff. Well, wait a second. Well, what he's done so far is he started with halacha aleph, you know, um, peacefulness, tranquility for Yisrael. Halacha bet, halacha gimal, then there'll be kingship. Once there's kingship, we'll do this. Then we'll do that. Now we make it halacha dalet. Lo nitavu anivim vahachamim yimot hamashiach. Lo kedeshi yishletu al kol ha'olam. Ve lo kedeshi yirdu bagoyim. Ve lo kedeshi yinasehu otam ha'amim. Ve lo kedeshi lechov ve lishtot ve lismoach. Ve lo kedeshi yupnuyim batorah ve chokmah. Ve lo yeh lahem noges. Umvatel kedeshi yisku la'olam haba. So then he concludes and he's... Halacha here we read already. He concludes and he says, Well, the whole purpose of all this is to get to time where we could study, time where we can focus, time where we can attain perfected intellect. But that's not where it began. That's not necessarily even where it ends. I mean, it could end there, but that's an ideal. In Mishneh Torah, what Harambam, in my mind, is setting forth for us is a sequence of events that does not begin with Yedi'at Hashem It ends with that as an ideal. 
It's not restorative in the least bit in the end, but everything leading up to that is very much making its way toward an end, but the end is not the means. In other words, to put it in, 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 in a sentence, in Morin Vuchim Harambam says, Yemota Mashiach, at least the way we were reading it, is a time of utopia, which begs the question, like, like Avi asked it, so why do we have Misfot anymore? In Mishneh Torah and Perik Yodal, he says, you'll have Misfot, Yemota Mashiach. He quickly follows up and explains to you, Yemota Mashiach won't be utopian. It'll leave you with ideals. It'll leave you with yearning toward understanding God more. It'll give you that sea of knowledge which you'll have to go and jump into. But you won't be in it. You won't be fully immersed at any point. The Atashim is, is something that's, you know, we, we live our lives in an unideal world, even in Yomotam Mashiach, with the goal, with the aspiration of reaching it. But we're not really going to reach it. It's going to be left as an ideal. We're going to still have misfot for that reason. That's Adam Bam's argument over here. What fortifies this argument if, if, in reading it like this, again, is A, the fact that he's making this sequential. It means it doesn't all happen at once. It means the last thing is something that's, that's to be attained. B, is the fact that he distinguishes over here between the first step being shalom for Yisrael as opposed to in the Moreh, shalom for all of the world. C is a point that Aviezer Ravitsky points out. He says, if you pay careful attention here, Aleph, Bet, Gimal, even Dalid are talking about Yisrael. The first four halachot of this Perik are focused on Yisrael. They're focused on Yisrael and they're focused on making a politically safe and, and, and healthy society. That's what Aleph, Bet, Gimal, and Dalid are all about. He is when we deal with the international, we deal with the redemption of the world. It means A, B, C, and D is, is what goes into Yimot HaMashiach. E is what we hope for ultimately. But E is not what we begin with. He is not what we begin with. We begin with Geulah for Yisrael. Ultimately, if Yisrael works this out properly, if things go as they're supposed to go, so then the ultimate step is that we have this ideal which we try to tap into, which is Yidiyat Hashem in its entirety. And lastly, Halacha Bet, where he cites from Shemuel, that en ben Mashiach hazeh, malchuyot bilvat. How do you explain that? It's a very strange statement. What do you mean? There's so much different. No, that's not so much different. The first step will be self-jurisdiction. That's all Shemuel's talking about. Haramab has no problem, and he will answer Abar ben El. You have a problem with me citing Shemuel? Shemuel is talking about the first step in Yomot HaMashiach. First step in Yomot HaMashiach is Shibud Malchuyot. The rest we hope for. That's not prom it's a promise. It's a promise as an ideal. The Torah talks about all sorts of ideals. But in Ben Yimotam Ashiach La'olam Azeh La'shi'a Abud Malchuyot, what Rambam is telling you in that statement right there is that Shemuel is a very strong statement. The statement is we will first have self-jurisdiction. Then we'll establish that peace, etc., etc., etc. But that statement isn't a contradiction to anything else. You don't need, Abar Benel couldn't conceive of this. For Abar Benel, every statement is a promise which will be filled on X date. You know, only God knows, but on X date. For Harambam, no such thing. Maybe there's, there's step one. The rest is not a promise. It's an ideal. What about all the miraculous elements that... If things go as planned, and we reach so then it won't be so miraculous because we'll be able to work all those things out. What about in what, in what concept is that? for Harambam will be completely separate, but it's not connected to Yomot HaMashiach. But what I'm saying is for Harambam, Abar Benel won't bother him at all. 
But Benel's questions are, just look at the Psukim in the Torah, just look at Divrei HaChamim. Haramah said, yeah, I'm looking at them. They, they pose no issue for me whatsoever. That's an ultimate ideal. No problem. But what I'm talking about is practically what's going to happen over here. I'll quote you Shemuel, and I'll quote him from HaChamim, because nobody disagrees with this. This is ultimately, in his mind, how it's going to start. Yeah. Is that ideal status uh, <clears throat> comparable to the... It is completely and fully identical to it. I mean, it's a great point that needs to be made. I, I alluded to it at the beginning. Halakha he and Perik Yoda Aleph are parallel. And he makes this point kind of in a, in a subversive statement in Perik Bet of Halak Aleph is that the ultimate ideal is making our way back to that Gan Eden stage. I'll pause and reflect on that for a second. If you have Haram Bam's percept, uh, um, perspective on Gan Eden, you can't use the word restorative at all. That's, that's an ideal, because restorative means we were once there. Let, let's be honest here, but yes, no, 100%. The ultimate goal for Haram Bam is a state of, a state of being during which Emet and Sheker are throughout. There's no such thing as Tov and Ra. It's complete and utter truth and false intellect. You'll know right and wrong because it will be true and false. There won't be anything known as right and wrong. 100%, that's, that's Haram Bam's ultimate ideal. But one more time, we'll never get there. And that's why we'll always have the Hirach of Shid and we'll always have Misvot. That's, that's, I think, what he's telling us here. Yeah. When you mentioned no Misvot, is that assuming kids will be born and they're not going to go through a cycle of understanding that you're going to now to get to that stage? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it seems like... I don't know what to and, tell you. And, and by the way, I will defend. Lest everyone walk away and say Harambam of Moren Vuchim is an antinomian. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in Misvot. I will defend against that similar to the way, similar to the way your father was saying it today. And I will defend against it, but for today, I'm happy saying in Mishneh Torah we understand it's utopia, which we have to explain why we need the misfot still. But I hear you, I don't well, know. Why would the misfot follow? What's the okay, I don't know. So, so you want to tell me until you're 13 you'll have misfot. No, no, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, but then the, but like, what's the purpose of the misfot? Is it to understand God or is it a certain No. Which, um, which Shabbat is not to understand God? So just recognize that he did no, something. No, Shabbat for Harambam is Matarari Shonai. It's immediate understanding and perception and connection to God. But all the other misfot, the argument is, is to set up the proper societal framework. This is the argument. So that I will be able to properly attain that intellect. It's both personal and communal, it's, it's, it's what fixes things up. By and large, I think the steps, so that's...